facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. It is Thursday. It is March 30th, 2023. It's also opening day in the baseball season, which kind of feels like New Year's Day, doesn't it? 888-914-9149 is the number to call. 888-914-9149. We're going to be talking about friendship today. Do your friends really like you? Do you really like them? Well, what about Jesus as friend? We're going to talk about all of that. There's some shocking research on friendship that has been released. I want to share this with you. 888-914-9149. And to quote our Lord, I call you friends. I call you my friends as well. Uh, faithful listeners of the Kale Clark Show. Love to hear from you. 888-914-9149. You can also email the show. The address is kale at relevantradio.com. C-A-L-E at Radio. Dot com And of course, you can find me on Twitter as well and follow me there at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Come follow me and I will give you tweets. And uh, speaking of tweets, birds like to tweet. Um, that's why it's called the Bird App Twitter. And it's a beautiful spring day. It may not be in your neck of the woods, but it certainly is here. It's a beautiful spring day. The sun is shining Spring is in the air. It's like New Year's Day, opening day of the baseball season. Easter's just around the corner. All seems right with the world. And I, I don't know, though. I will say that speaking of friendship, uh, this opening day is severely testing my friendship with my producer, Jim, because uh, this is the Battle of the Birds. Speaking of singing birds, this is the Battle of the Birds. My Toronto Blue Jays, the official baseball club of the Kale Clark Show, is playing against... Producer Jim, St. Louis Cardinals at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. And uh, Lucas Holt, who used to produce the show, was also a Cardinals fan. I, I can't seem to get away from these Cards fans. Uh, Chuck Neff, who used to host The Inner Life, also a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan. But uh, quality history, quality baseball club. Uh, Jim, what is the score right now? Right now, going into the bottom of the fifth, it's 5-5. Five to five. Five, five. All right. So ooh, we, we can still be friends for now because it's tied and uh, <laughs> we're, we're sort of on neutral ground here. I, I love it. I love it. And I, by the way, Jim, is there is there like sort of um, yeah, we're, we're all familiar with with teams having certain songs that they that they have that they'll maybe play during the seventh inning stretch or after they win the game. The Chicago Cubs, a lot of Cubs fans, of course, in the headquarters of Relevant Radio in the Chicago area, including Mike Kendall, VP of Programming, and uh, he and I have gone to Cubs games before in Wrigley Field. And uh, let's hear the "Go Cubs Go" song because I, I know you. This is this is partially to punish you, Jim, because you're a Cardinals fan. But uh, let, let's hear it. Let's this hear is it. how I go straight to heaven. <laughs> okay, this one's not bad. This one's not bad. And they did win today. All right, so the Cubs did win today. Anybody catch the score? They're playing Cincinnati, right? They always play Cincinnati. Oh, it's Milwaukee, Milwaukee the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. 
You know what I have to say about that? What's that? Because it sure won't happen again. <laughs> little Dan Aykroyd from Tommy Boy. I love it. I, I love it. Abs- uh, absolutely. I love my I, I oh. love my coworkers who are good friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, do, do the Cardinals have a song? I'm not familiar with with it, with their uh, with their song. What is it? If if they have one. Now that's a little bit generic, but wait for it. Okay, I'm waiting with bated breath. Here comes the king. Oh. This is what you hear at opening day at Bush Stadium as the world-famous Anheuser-Busch Clydesdales oh, circle okay. the perimeter of the field. Love it. As well as during the eighth inning when beer sales are finished for the game. So <laughs> it's a classic. And I used kind to, when my baby brother was... Just a little guy, I would uh, rock him to sleep humming this. So here you go, Michael. This one's for you. (laughs) So it's called Here Comes the King? Yep. Good King St. Louis. All right. I I love it. I love it. Well, we'll we'll, I'll play you the later on in the show. Maybe we'll do this as a rejoin. We'll we'll play the Blue Jays song, OK Blue Jays, uh, Let's Play Ball. Not the greatest song in the world. It's a little lame, but but the chorus is good at least. Uh, I'll I'll share that with you later. But uh, hey, Blue Jays and Cardinals are tied now. We're all happy. It's opening day. Maybe you have just come back from an opening day game. Maybe you're with a friend. Uh, speaking of friends, uh, Producer Jim, I got an email from somebody today that, believe it or not, I got an email today, Jim, from the New York Times bestselling author, James Clear. I don't know if you've ever heard of James Clear. He used to be a really? baseball player, by the way. Yeah, he used to be a baseball player. Pretty good one, actually, too. That's a story that he tells in his book, Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've read his book, but it's one of the biggest books of the last couple of years, business, self-help. Atomic Habits. It sold over 5 million copies, Jim. James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, actually sent me an email today. He, he uh, Believe it or not, he actually emails me every Thursday at lunchtime, like clockwork, every single Thursday. Now, it might be because I signed up for his email newsletter, <laughs> but uh, he, he did email hey. me. I, I don't Take know. I don't get. know, James. But uh, James, if you are listening, you're welcome to call in. I'd love to have you on as a guest. But uh, he sends out every week uh, something called the three two one newsletter, and uh, that that refers to three quotes. It's a pretty short little email, but it's it's always inspirational. Three quotes from him, two quotes from other people, and then one sort of factoid to think about. And, and one of the quotes that he had in there today in his in his uh, e newsletter from other people was from this guy named Ronald Sharp. Now, if you've never heard of Ronald Sharp, I, I don't blame you, but he's a professor of English at Vassar College, and he actually teaches a course on the literature of friendship, the literature of friendship. So here, here's, what, here's what Ronald Sharp, here was the quote that was, uh, that was in the email. This is a quote from Ronald Sharp on friendship. It's kind of what got me thinking about this. Ronald Sharp says that it's not about what someone can do for you, it's who and what the two of you become in each other's presence. That's what friendship's all about to him. It's not what someone can do for you. It's who and what the two of you become in each other's presence. End of quote. Now, I don't know what we're becoming in each, in each other's presence, Jim, but but I do call you a friend. Uh, You're my but, brother, but, Kale. You're more oh, than a friend. Thanks, thanks brother. <laughs> thanks, brother. As, uh, as Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage would like to say to each other. But but uh, we, we need to be careful about this, though. And I, I'm not so sure, Jim, that you're really my friend because... There's actually an article. I found the article that where he gave this quote, uh, Ronald Sharp, and it was actually a piece, uh, an opinion piece, 
in the New York Times about friendship. Now, this was kind of shocking to me. The title was, Do Your Friends Actually Like You? Well, I, I should certainly hope so, but, but we can be deluded, I think, sometimes about friendships. And, and if this has ever happened to you, uh, call in, 888-914-9149. And I would say even love relationships are friends. It's a type of, it goes beyond simply friendship on a platonic level, of course. But, but um, Jim, I remember when I was in university, I was dating this girl named Peggy. And I, I was just over the moon for Peggy. I would, I would go visit her at her house, got to know her parents. Everything was lovely. Or so I thought, or so I thought. Uh, so Peggy's sister, Angela, one day she took pity on me. And she said to me, hey, Kale, she kind of pulled me aside a little bit. She said, Kale, I have to talk to you. I have to tell you something. This, this is going to be really tough for you to hear, but you're a good guy. And, this, and I am just sick about what's happening to you. And I'm like, what? And she said, Peggy is actually seeing another guy on the side behind your back. And I was, I was devastated. Ouch. I was, I was devastated. I, sweet, innocent Peggy. It turned out not to be so sweet and innocent, but it was all for the best. And, and I hope you're well, Peg. And um, yeah, anyways, um, Peg, it will come back to you. It's like that uh, Steely Dan song. Anyways, um, so... Uh, God bless you, Peg. Um, hopefully we're all in a, in a good place right now. But uh, have you ever been deluded about a, a friendship? What's your definition of a friend? How would you define friendship? And, you know, again, Ronald Sharp, he has this definition of friendship. He, he said this, friends are people that you take the time to understand and allow them to understand you. Okay, that's one possible definition of a friend. But what's your definition? T tell me a story about about your best friend. Here, here's something else. Okay, now this is, um, I'm going to explain this in a little bit more depth in just a minute, but in this piece in the New York Times, there's another researcher by the name of Robin Dunbar. Robin Dunbar says that you can really only have five good friends at any given time. Realistically, you can only, there's only five slots available in your life for actual good friends. The rest are you know, just really kind of surfacey. Uh, acquaintances more, more than anything. It's, it's an interesting little piece. I wanted to share some of this with you because, um, again, some, some of this research caught me off guard. Do your friends really like you? Do your friends really like, like you? Well, let's, let's, let's check this out. So this piece was actually written by Kate Murphy in the New York Times. And recent research says that only half of the people that you think are your friends are actually your mutual friends. So what, what does that mean? It means that somebody that you think is your friend, they might not see it that way or, or vice versa. Um, you might have somebody in your life that you think you barely know, but they might actually be naming you as their very best friend on social media or something like that. I, I don't know. Uh, I could tell you this. I am your friend. You can call me 888-914-9149. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So a lot of people are talking about, about these stats about perceived friendships versus the way that they actually are. Some think that human beings are just, well, we're just basically optimistic creatures. And sometimes we're egocentric. We, we think that people are better friends with, with us than, than they actually are. They like us more than they really do. Other people are saying, well, we need to actually get straight what we mean by friendship. I mean, the word friend is used as a verb today, right? Uh, on social media, being someone's friend doesn't really amount to much. You can just tap on your smartphone screen and call somebody a friend. 
by doing that, but are they really? Are they really? Is it an authentic relationship? Well, there's a guy at MIT. Now, you all know MIT. That's kind of a hotbed of, of, of technology, and, and it's, a, it's a very prestigious uh, institution of higher learning, MIT, in the Boston area. Alex Pentland, a social science researcher at MIT, did a big study on this, and it was called, Are You Your Friend's Friend? It's all about poor perception of friendship. So what they did in this study, they, they analyzed 84 people, and they were, all in a, they were all taking the same class together, a business management class. And they, were, they kind of varied in ages, from age 23 all the way up to age 38. And they, uh, they were asked to rank each other, like, uh, on, are you friends with this person in the class? And so there was kind of a continuum, and it went from one to five. So if you rank somebody as a one, you would say, I don't know this person. If you gave them a five, that would mean that this is one of my very best friends. So here, here's the weird thing about it. This is the stat. Only 53% of the time were the feelings mutual. So one person would say, oh, yeah, this person's my bestie. Well, the other guy would say, I barely know this person. <laughs> we're somewhere along the continuum. So the feelings were only matched up 53% of the time. So that means about half the time, the people that you think are your friends don't view you the same way. And here's the interesting thing about it. People thought that the other person was their friend 94% of the time. So what they thought and what was actually happening, totally not the case. Totally not the case. And there's been other studies like this that have, that have taken place over the last 10 years or so. And they, they, they sort of rank, they spit out about the same numbers where people, uh, the feeling is mutual only about 53% of the time. Uh, whereas everyone thinks that it is mutual. Almost 100% of people think that the other person feels exactly the same way about me. And this can be a huge wake-up call for people. This can be a huge wake-up call for people thinking, the people that I thought were my friends really aren't. It challenges your self-image. Uh, it can be a real shock to the system. But, but again, what we need to really ask is, what is friendship? We need to define it. And this guy from MIT, Alex Pentland, uh, here's what he says. Um, if you ask people what's your definition of friendship? Most people don't, don't have an answer for you. They'll just be really, really silent. They'll start saying, uh, uh, um, um, or I, I don't really know. Because it, it is tough to describe, isn't it, at, at some level? Um, there's a, speaking of uh, institutions of higher learning that are pretty, uh, uh, pretty up there, Ivy League school, Princeton. Princeton Tigers made a nice little run in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Alexander Nahamas, who is a professor of philosophy at Princeton, he wrote an almost 300-page book called On Friendship. And, and the book is really all about this question. What is friendship all about? He says it's really difficult to describe. It, it's actually easier, he says, to explain what friendship is not. What is it not? And maybe that's a good place to start. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-914. 9149 As we're talking about this, I asked you a couple of questions. Have you ever been deluded about a friendship? Uh, maybe you thought your besties with somebody wasn't the case. What's your definition of a friend? Uh, what's a story about your, your best friend? Can, can, is it really true that you can only have five good friends at a time at any given moment? Is that realistic? 888-914-9149. So he, he says, this, this researcher uh, Alexander Nahamas at, uh, at Princeton says, it's probably easier to define what friendship is not. And he says, look, at the end of the day, friendship is not, or at least it shouldn't be, instrumental. It shouldn't be a means to an end. You shouldn't be, 
And you know, he was talking about love, but really, friendship is a type of love. It's a it's a friendship type love. It's a filial love. The city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. That's where it gets its name, filial. Um, uh, Saint John Paul II. He wrote a book uh, many many years ago called Love and Responsibility in the turbulent 1960s, the era of so-called free love. He said that to love someone is the very opposite of what it means to use someone. It's it should be true in romantic relationships. Sadly, it's not sometimes. But it also ought to be true in friendships. Friendship should not be instrumental. It shouldn't be a means to an end, to obtain a higher status by hanging out with somebody, to uh, try to get invited to somebody's vacation home or something, or uh, using them to for any number of different purposes, to try to get ahead in life, try to get a, a new position, a new job. This is instrumentality, instrumentalizing friendship. Mr. Nahamas from Princeton says it should be more like beauty or a work of art. It should be appreciated for its own sake. Friendship ought to be appreciated for its own sake. But as this article in the New York Times points out, one of the most popular books about friendship, allegedly, I don't know if this is really friendship, I wouldn't probably say not, Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Isn't that, is that not instrumentalizing friendship? You're trying to win friends really so that you can influence people. And this is what social media is all about, isn't it? It's about showcasing, oh, who am I friends with? Who am I connected with? Who is following me? Um, if I get a retweet from this person, I've made it. Is this not instrumentalizing some sort of a relationship, an electronic friendship? So th this is where this, this, this quote from Ronald Sharp comes in, where he says, it's not about what someone can do for you. It's not about what someone can do for you. It's what it's what it's what the two of you become in each other's presence, and he he wrote this um, book together with uh, this this uh, gal named Eudora Welty, and it's a book called the Norton Book of Friendship. Norton, you know, uh, the Norton Book of Friendship, and it's really an anthology of of different writings on friendship, and they talk about the notion. Here's here's a, maybe this is a good definition of friendship: the notion of doing nothing but spending time in each other's company. It's become a lost art. And, and people don't really do that anymore with their friends. They, they text each other. They tweet at each other, maybe. Um, sometimes they do that even when they're hanging out with, with someone else. They're, they're texting their other friend. I've had this done to me. Uh, somebody's sitting across from me. We're trying to talk, and this person is texting someone else. That's really annoying, man. What am I, chop liver? I don't know. I want, I want your thoughts on friendship. 888 Nine one four nine. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, if you're on the line, stay there, please. We're going to your phone calls right after this quick break. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. It's Kale Clark Show only here on Relevant Radio. It's opening day. We're going to open up the phone lines in just a second. Be right back. Hey, that's the uh, OK Blue Jays song, the official seventh inning stretch song at the. Ro I refuse to call it the Rogers Center. It's still the Sky Dome to me. That, of course, is the home stadium of the Toronto Blue Jays, the official baseball club 
of the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. And it is Kale Clark on the call alongside Jim Shaper and Patrick Alog working the phones today. Yeah, can you tell what I wanted to be in another life? Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to opening day. We're talking about friendship. Maybe you just left an opening day game with a friend or two or three. And I'd love for you to call in and talk to me. 888-914-9149. We're talking about friendship. We're talking about uh, some of the counterfeits of friendship. Do your friends actually like you? Have you ever been deluded about a friendship? 888 We're going to be talking about Jesus as friend in a little bit, but what's your definition of a friend? Do you believe Robin Dunbar's assertion that you can really only have five good friends at any given time realistically? And uh, in fact, where, where that actually comes from, I'll, I'll just uh, read you the, the quote from her. She's a uh, uh, sorry, it's, it's a gentleman uh, by the name of Robin Dunbar. Excuse me, Robin. Apologize uh, for <laughs> misidentifying you there. Uh, British evolutionary psychologist. Uh, he talks about layers of friendship uh, where the topmost layer, like a layer cake almost, where the topmost layer is one or two people. That could be your spouse and maybe your very best friend. You talk to them a lot, maybe every day. The next layer can accommodate at most four people. You have great affinity for these people, great affection, great concern. It takes weekly attention to maintain those friendships. But after that, there's other tiers, and they're, they're all more casual friends. You don't invest as much time. You don't have a profound connection with them, really. And they can easily fall into the realm of acquaintance, the acquaintance zone. You don't want to be there. Uh, you might be friendly with them, but they, they really can't be your, your true friends. These are the kinds of people who would text someone else while they're talking to you, like as they're sitting right across from you. And Preston Alex, um, uh, one of our VPs of finance here at Relevant Radio, he, he just texted me this term, and, and uh, at first he, he didn't explain it. He just texted me this word. It's called uh, uh, fubbing, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, fubbing. I was like, what, what is this? And then he, he explained it for the follow-up text. Thank you for that. Um, he said that's the term he hears now. It's phone snubbing. That's when someone's talking to you, but they're really talking to somebody else on the phone. Fubbing, yeah. they're Hey, stop fubbing. And pick up your phone and call me right now, 888 Nine one four nine. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Pam in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, Pam. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, well, I was uh, telling the person who screened that I was in a, a friendship with someone for a couple of years, and when we got together, we did we drank and mm. you know had our time, our fun time together. Yeah. And. Um, I helped her through some really difficult situations and I thought we were really good friends. And then I decided I was not going to drink anymore. And I was going back to church and, um, she just, I, as soon as I stopped drinking, I stopped getting phone calls. Mm. I stopped getting invited out Mm -hmm. and I had Mm -hmm. read somewhere and I can't remember what I read, but it was, uh, I had read that you have to look at your friendship and what is it, based on yeah and then i realized well now because i at first i was kind of hurt about it but then i realized well what the only thing we had in common was the drinking yeah and Mm -hmm. once i stopped and she has moved on to other people who do that and you know it's kind of i don't know a little it's nice to know that i can now have friendships that are meaningful that are based on drinking and partying and having a good time. And um, they don't necessarily even have to be Catholic or Christians, but they're people who just want to have friendships and do quality things when we're together. Yeah. 
Pam, that, that's so true. I think I think a lot of friendships for both men and it's obviously true for women as well. There are a lot of friendships that are based on vice instead of virtue. And I think it's especially true for men. I talk about this all the time. There's one um, there's one priest who coined this term friendship deficit disorder, which means that he says a lot of guys, they don't really have anybody who's a friend that they can actually turn to if they have a problem, somebody who will listen to them. They have friends that they drink with, friends that they party with, friends that they play golf with, but they don't really have anybody that's would you know we I, we would consider a true friend, and and that's obviously true for ladies as well at a certain level. And so I'm I'm glad that you found Pam some other people that you can have some more positive experiences with, and maybe build that friendship on a different foundation. Yeah, thank you so much. I was Pam in Jacksonville, Florida, in the United States, Duval as they say, Duval County. All right, let's go now to Freddie in Heartland, Wisconsin. Hi, Freddie. Hello, Kel. Uh, good to hear from you. I was thinking about the friendship theme, and it is complicated. Um, I believe that a friend is someone who is there for you when you need it most. Mm. It doesn't matter to me if you, if you call them every day or if they call you every day or, you know, or if you are like meeting them every week and just spilling your guts with them and stuff like that. Which also begs the question in my mind. So, is that to me that's a friend, uh, and I and I and I struggle with that because there are some friends that I have. I consider them friends, and they're so far away. But I do take the time to let them know when I think of them. You know, something yeah. comes over me, and, and and they come to me, to my mind, to my heart, and I say, mm-hmm. I am thinking of you, and I'm hoping that you are doing well. Um, I think sometimes people. Uh, define friendship on their own terms because it, it yeah. is what they want, That's not not really what a friend is. And so what I told the screener was, you know, sometimes I struggle because some people say, oh, my goodness, my friends, the one that I thought were my friends couldn't help me. And this person who I never really truly consider a friend mm-hmm. came to my help. So is that a good Samaritan or a friend? You know, yeah. because because I have I have had that, and I don't know if you ever had that where someone out of completely out of the blue that you never even called a friend, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. there for you, one hundred percent. So that's what I wanted to to share with you. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I think I think your your friends sometimes can be good Samaritans, Freddie. I think it's really true that sometimes your friends will come to your aid when you're at your lowest point, when when nobody you're persona non grata, when nobody wants to be around you. And that's when you really find out when your true friends, who your true friends are, when the chips are down. And I've had experiences like that. People who I thought had my back, they were gone. They ghosted me. And other people who I never thought would uh, support me did. And you really find out who your true friends are. I think I, I'm a firm believer in that in times of hardship. And I like also what you said where you said when somebody comes to your mind, you, you reach out to them. And I think that's so important my wife, Patricia, is such a big believer in this. She thinks if somebody comes comes to her mind, she needs to pray for that person specifically. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe the, her guardian angel is somehow, you know, prompting her or, or the Holy Spirit saying, oh, this person is in my mind for a reason. I don't know what they're going through right now. I might not have talked to this person for a long time. I'm going to pray for them. Maybe offer up a small sacrifice for them. And I think that's a, that's a really good thing to do, to kind of act on things when you think of that. If you put it off until later... It's not going to happen. It's going to get buried under all the other things that are vying for our attention. Really appreciate that call, Freddie, in Wisconsin. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. What's your take on all this, on this topic of friendship? Let's go to, I'm going to go to Adrian in Austin, Texas. And I'm not going to say, yo, Adrian, I'm sure you hear that all the time. Uh, That's not original, but I'm so glad that you're here on the show. 
<laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I, I was going to address the question that you posed earlier about mm-hmm. do your friends like you? And yeah. my best friend my entire life has been my wife of 33 years. And wow. I will tell you firsthand, uh, we don't always like each other. And <laughs> one of our favorite phrases within our 32-year marriage is, you're not my favorite person right now. <laughs> so, you know, there are times that friends will disappoint each other and they may mm-hmm. not like uh, the, the actions that, you know, took place or or the words that were said. But uh, the friendship still, a strong friendship still will sustain that. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to make that point. And about having five friends in your life, you know, at one time, yeah. I think that in, in a one lifetime, one can count their two friends in one hand. Um, mm, because yeah. true friendship is very rare, especially today. So I just wanted to share those thoughts with you. Oh, those are great thoughts, Adrian. I really, really like that. And anybody who's been married for any length of time has probably had some sort of a conversation like that. Uh, I'm not sure I really like you right now. I'm not feeling it, but I do love you. I do love you. And, and love isn't necessarily always about fuzzy feelings, right? Um, the greatest act of love that was ever seen on the face of the earth was, of course, just look at a crucifix, Jesus on the cross. Did that feel good? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, the Passion of the Christ, we talked about that film last couple days. That, that's a, a depiction of that, a very, or a full depiction of that, but nonetheless, I think a very realistic depiction of that in so many ways. So I don't always like you necessarily, but I do love you. I'm committed to you. Uh, love is a total gift of self. That's what it really is. That's why we have the crucifix in our Catholic parishes. Um, we get taken to task for that sometimes with people who don't understand it. Why, why don't you know that Jesus has risen from the dead? Of course we do. We're the first to proclaim it, but this is the greatest act of love that's ever been seen on the face of the earth and love again, to go back to JP two, it's the very opposite of what it means to use someone. It's a total gift of self. You're giving to that person. You're seeking their good. You're willing the good of the other person. And so this is the heart of the commitment. And, and that's really the heart of, Marriage. Marriage is obviously more than a friendship, of course, uh, but but it, that is a, a big part of it, uh, f- to be sure. You're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 Very good phone call from Adrian in Austin, Texas. We get a lot of great calls from Austin, Texas. It's been a hotbed uh, for Relevant Radio. Let's go now to, again, one of our new cities, one of our new stations. I believe it's 104.9, if memory serves. Yvonne from Tempe, Arizona. Hi, Yvonne. How are you doing? Yes. Hi. Great, Kale. Thank you for taking my call. Sure Greetings thing. from Arizona. So, so good to hear I've from you. had, uh, thank you. I've had so many levels of friendship. I've made friends. I've lost friends. I they don't contact me. They, for maybe they've moved, lost contact. Some have mm-hmm. passed away, and I have friends for at least fifty years. Wow. And through through. Right, I'm so blessed. And through all of these friendships, our connection that lasted the longest of 50 years and more is we just have a mutual, unconditional care, love and caring for each other. We're, my friends are my family, wow. um, like family. And I, my mom always tells me, you are so lucky if you have one friend. Mm-hmm. And if and I and I believe that and if someone has five or more, they are truly blessed. And I just believe that that is our 
are are core that I have with the friends of 50 or more years is that we love each other, good times, bad times, happy times. We're always there. And some friends have come out of my life for whatever reason. Maybe, again, they've moved, lost contact. But the others that have stayed, we have a mutual, unconditional love and caring for each other. Mm. And it's like mutual, me- meaning that it, it's throughout all these years, we still go to our high school reunions. We still uh, keep in contact. We all know the kids. We all know the, because my parents are their parents' friends. And when, when I was raised in a small town, that also carries with me, too. If I was yeah. raised in a larger city, I don't know. But I'm yeah. from a very small town. So maybe that helped too. So uh, you know, it's interesting. That. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, Yvonne. Thank, thank you very much for, for, for calling it and saying all that stuff because I think it is true that depending on where you live, it, it is possible to have the same group of friends for your whole life and have these really deep, lifelong relationships. Obviously, uh, most of the time, people will have to move for one reason or another, whether it's for schooling or whether it's for employment purposes. It's not always possible. But if you can have that, it, it makes for some really, really deep friendships. And uh, what you're saying kind of reminded me of Vin Diesel in the Fast and the Furious movies. I ain't got friends. I got family. <laughs> Whatever he said. So it's so true. Let's go now to Tom in Tucson, Arizona. We're going to stay in Arizona. Let's go to Tom. Hey, Tom. Welcome hey, to the Kim. show. Hey, thanks for taking the call. So you. Um, your conversation prompted me to the realization that... Um, uh, my spiritual advisor developed a relationship um, with a priest, and it, it's it's amazing how the Lord responds to your request. I've been praying for this mm. for years, and suddenly it's suddenly I've got this relationship, and it's like, oh, wait a second, I have a spiritual advisor, and now I just realized he's also my best friend. Wow. I mean, w- when we communicate, it's always you know my brother, my friend, you know Father John Paul, and mm. it's. Yeah, so I don't know. Is that normal that your spiritual advisor becomes one of your best friends? I, I think it certainly can be because obviously this person is willing your good, right? Your ultimate good, and is concerned about your eternal soul. And so that that's those are the best kinds of friends to have who are concerned about that and and, and helping each other get to heaven. That that's so key on the journey, and that's that's what spiritual companionship is all about. In so so many ways, that's what spiritual direction is all about. That's why I have a show about it on Relevant Radio called The Inner Life, uh, hosted by Patrick Conley. And so this is a show about spiritual direction. We think it's so important in people's lives. Obviously, the, the ideal is to have your own, who you can meet with personally. But I think that show fulfills a need for so many people across America that just want to be able to call in and talk to a spiritual advisor and, and bounce a question off. And, and, and so it's, a, it's something that we think is important. And yes, of course, that is a, a, an aspect of friendship or a type of friendship for sure. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Really appreciate that call, Tom, in Arizona. 888-914-9149. Well, our ultimate friend, our very best friend, is, of course, Jesus. But a lot of people are afraid to experience Jesus as friend because he's also our king. He's also our God. How's that work? We're going to be explaining that. More of your phone calls right after this break. 888-914-9149. It's The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Be right back. You're cool. Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. 
Hey, welcome back to the show, 888-914-9149. We are talking about friendship today. Canada Dry, it's a beverage you want to share with a friend. Cool, crisp, just like you. And I, I really want to talk to you, cool, crisp characters, 888-914-9149. Well, just before you get back to your calls, just wanted to say really quickly that the ultimate friendship that we were designed for, of course, is a relationship with Almighty God. And I read a little piece about the friendship of Jesus by, by Drew Hunter, and he said, you know, God doesn't just want us to know about him. It's not just supposed to be on an intellectual plane, but it's got to get down to the heart, right? He wants us to know him, to experience that friendship. There's a big difference between knowing about and truly knowing someone. You can know about Julius Caesar, but we really need to know the other JC, the much more important JC, Jesus Christ. And so how do we experience his friendship? Well, one of the things that we're going to talk about next week during Holy Week, especially on Holy Thursday, in the Gospel of John, this is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 15. So it's easy to remember. John 15, 15. Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And that's, that's an important thing, too, because friends always want to share great things with one another. You want to share your favorite restaurant, a great movie. Have you checked this out? Well, have you considered the truest friend of all? You want to introduce your friends to an even better friend, and that is, of course, Jesus. And so he calls us friends. It's just a, just a really beautiful thing. And here's, here's another thing about friendship that Jesus says. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. He said that again in John's gospel, just two verses before, John 15, verse 13. And of course, he went on to do that. He laid down his life for us on the wood of the cross. And so St. Paul says, you've got to make this personal. And, and very often our, our evangelical friends will say, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And there is really something to this. St. Paul says, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. It has to be personal for us, just like the sun is shining on all of the blades of grass at Bush Stadium right now as the Blue Jays and Cardinals are playing on opening day. But each individual blade of grass is getting 100% of that sunshine, and that's, that's what it's like for us. We have to understand that Christ would have given his life for us if we were the only person on planet Earth. And so he wants to reveal the Father's will to us. He wants to share things that friends share with one another plans, intimate plans. And so the cross proves that he wants to do that and that he wants to to to, to have us in, in this relationship. And so, like I said before, for a lot of people, they struggle with this because of the fact that, yes, he says these things, but he's also al almighty God. And I've heard people say, and maybe you have too, God is not your buddy. You know, he's not, quote unquote, the big guy upstairs. He's our exalted king. We've got to have some respect, put some respect on his name. Well, how can both be true at the same time? How can he be our exalted king and also our truest and closest friend? Well, he can be both because he's God. He can do all things. Nothing is beyond his reach. And this actually magnifies his glory. It, 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 it shows how great he really is, that he can do both. And, and this is part of his grace. He can call us his friends, but he still remains our king. Now, 
Something else to remember about this that he said in John chapter 15. In John 15, verse 14, he said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. So if you want to be Jesus' friend, he wants to be your friend. If you want to be his friend, you've got to follow his commandments. You've got to do it. And and so this is part of the kingship. So it's friendship, but it's also kingship. And a really good analogy for this from the Old Testament that, that Drew Hunter brings up is the relationship between King David and his friend Jonathan. That's kind of a, a good example because David's the king. He's the anointed king of Israel. He, he's, there are only three anointed ones in the Old Testament, the prophets, priests, and kings. Jesus, of course, is all three in the same person. He's an, the anointed king of Israel, yet he still was a faithful friend to Jonathan. He said, and this is what, um, what uh, he said to Jonathan. David said this to Jonathan. Hey, what, whatever you say, I will do for you. And he, Jesus will do what we need. He'll, he'll work for us on our behalf. Everything that happens to us is part of uh, his loving plan for us, even if it doesn't seem that way. So we don't want to trivialize the friendship that we have with our Lord, but we don't want to look at his kingship in a way that neglects his companionship, as, as Drew says. And I think that's a really, really good way to think about this. So we need to cultivate that friendship. It's something we can do in this fourth quarter of Lent as we're in the home stretch. He's going to welcome us into his heart. He's going to show us the, the absolute love that he has for us in his sacred heart, what he's going to do for us on Holy Thursday, Good Friday. He's going to give himself for us. And so this is what it's all about. The other thing we have to do with our friends, and we can do this with Jesus too, we have to, is communion. And that word communion can mean a couple things, of course. We have our communion with him in the Eucharist, of course. That's one meaning of the word communion. But it also means common union. It means sharing things in common. It means spending time. It means conversation. When we read the the scriptures, he talks to us. Uh, When we pray, we talk to him. We have this time together with him. And very often we can use scripture in our prayer. And so if we're not spending time with someone, can we really call them our friend? Again, this idea of you can only have five people really that you're spending time with. He's got to be at the top of that list. He really has to do that. So Jesus wants to be your friend. He's chosen you. He died for you. He's given everything for you. What more could you ask from him? So we've got to trust him. What a friend we have in Jesus, as the old hymn says. Let's go back to the phone's. On the Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Anne in Belleville, Ontario, Canada. Hi, Anne. Welcome back to the show. Oh, well, hello. Hello, Cousin <laughs> Kale. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's good uh, to hear your voice again. Tell you, yeah, thanks. You too. Um, great topic tonight. So you can do a whole other show, start it again. I tell you, um, I had a couple comments to make. Sure. Is that with women... Mm-hmm. Um, you have to know what your friend thinks a friend is because, mm. you know, sometimes, um, friends like expectations are you talking toes. about? Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Like you didn't phone me yesterday. It's like, well, yeah. and I mean, you say yesterday, you know, like it, it can be point. really dicey. Yeah. And also, you know, um, well, you know, everybody else, else out there may not um we have seven daughters and they're mm-hmm. mo- at the furthest away they are from each other is three years they're all um they're all very close so 
even though each girl has like her friends, uh-huh. um, they're not they're not a, they don't get as tight, and they don't do, get as tight as quickly as like their companions at the, of the same age. Mm-hmm. And we've come to learn over time that best friend with girls is really a lot more serious than we ever um, understood for a little while because I think as families are smaller, Mm -hmm. um, your bestie or your friends become almost like substitute siblings. That's a good point. That's a really good point, Anne. Yeah. Yeah, nobody thought about it that way, but it's it's true that... and. I know from my wife, like she, she's really close with her siblings, and she has three brothers, and they're they're really really close to each other. And she always says, "Family will never let you down, but friends often have." And uh, I was sad to hear that, but um, and hopefully I'll never let you down, Trish. But but I, I do think it's true that that's as families are not tending to be in general as large as they used to be. A lot of people are um, having friends as. Hey, Jim called me brother the, earlier in the show, right? But that, that's the kind of thing, right? We, where where you, you almost, you do become family with those friends, especially if you have these really uh, powerful experiences and times that you share together. Um, that's a great point. So uh, thank you so much for that for that call. And I, I think the other thing that she said that was really, uh, was really uh, crucial was that expectations are key. And, and communication. If you don't lay out what your expectations are, how is the other person ever going to know? I mean, we're not mind readers. That's another thing to keep in mind. So, um, all right, let's go to Patricia, another Patricia in Pacific Grove, California. Hi, Patricia. Hi, um, I am a new call- first-time caller and a new listener. All right, hey, I'm well, thank you. It. Thanks. For, we we <laughs> need to have some sort of a bell for new listeners that we ring, so a new yeah. caller. So thanks, Patricia. Yeah, my pleasure, totally. Um, I was listening this morning, and I can't remember the, the host's name, but it was during the 8 o'clock hour here okay. in California. And um, the, I, I was so taken back because a caller called in saying that he was converting to Catholicism. And my point has to do with what friendship is not. Mm. Um, and his Protestant friends, he said, were disappointed in him and were encouraging, encouraging him not to convert. And I felt so badly for this man because... You know, I grew up Catholic, but I am a mm. Presbyterian now, and I am a Christ lover. I, I'm in multiple Bible studies. I walk with the Lord every single day. I would never think of, of telling someone, you know, don't be Catholic or don't be Protestant. If you love the Lord and He is your Lord and Savior, hallelujah. And this young man wow. was calling in to ask for advice on how do I tell these friends of mine to back off. And I he's listening to you, Cal, because this is what he needs to hear is what friendships are truly. Well, Patricia, hey, first of all, thank thank you so much for calling in. I, I do hope you call back. That that is that's wonderful to hear from you, first time caller, first time uh, listener, really as well to the Cale Clark Show, and that is fantastic. Uh, out in California and Pacific Grove, and uh, probably referencing the show you're probably referencing is the Patrick Madrid Show earlier today on Relevant Radio, and. I would say this. This is something that we, we are going to have to explore another time because it's a pretty weighty topic. But I would say that I never have a problem. I'm going to talk about this tomorrow on the Faith Explained show a little bit, 1230 Central. I have zero problem with anybody trying to evangelize anybody because if you truly believe in your faith and you believe that it's true, 
and that's really the only good reason to be an adherent to it is because you believe it's true. Otherwise, you're doing it for human reasons. Then it stands to reason that you'd want other people to 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 have what you have to experience the truth as you as you see it. So now you're free to, of course, say no because we can never impose the faith on anyone. We can only propose it. Uh, but I have zero problem with anybody because they're 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 trying to do it for the good of your soul, and that's and we say. This is why we evangelize as Catholics, because we believe that we have the fullness of the truth and kind of the full package that Jesus intended for his disciples here in the Catholic Church. All the sacraments, the the hierarchy of the church, everything is here. And, and hope, Patricia, that maybe you'll think about that a little bit as well. And feel free to call back anytime. It's been the Kale Clark Show. It's been a slice of heaven with you guys. Jim Shaper produced. My brother, Patrick Alog, took your phone calls. We really hit it out of the park tonight, you guys. You're the best. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.